Thank you, Tim. Am I on? Perfect. Well, good morning to everybody. It's good to see everybody, and thank you for coming out this morning. Thank you especially to my two brothers for being here, and your significant others. Just appreciate you spending this time with us. Um, Before I really share the title of the message this morning, I've got a a few questions that I'm going to throw out there, but just... Tim, thank you for the, the songs that were on the set this morning. There was one sentence in there um, says, All my life you have been faithful. And that just really stuck out to me, like when I think of, of God and Jesus and just through my life personally and everything that he's done, through all my life, he's been faithful to me. So um, I was curious how this works that on one Sunday you get put in as elder and then the very next Sunday... I get to have the message, but it's all good. No, I'm good with this. Um, I am curious um, if I just throw the question out there. Who in here today thinks as themselves as a leader? When you just think of what you do every day in life and the responsibilities you have, and um, it doesn't matter is that, you know, as a mom at home, as a, as a teacher, as a husband, um, what you do at, as far as work, like, do you see yourself as a leader? Well, I would share with you that we're all leaders, and Jesus has called us to be leaders. Um, who is the greatest leader that ever lived? There's a lot of amazing people and a lot of amazing leaders in history, um, but I believe Jesus is the greatest leader that ever lived. And today, the title of the message is Jesus, the Transformational Leader. Um, so I want to share, share a little bit with you, and I'm going to be bouncing all around in Scripture in different, different areas, so if you want to follow, feel free to do so, but I am going to be bouncing around a lot. Um, I believe, and this comes from John Maxwell, and I, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with this comment, but I believe everything rises and falls on leadership doesn't matter, is it at church, at business, at work, everything rises and falls on leadership. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Um, Jesus has influenced more people than anybody or any man that has ever lived. Um, just to go through a couple different things, Jesus never painted a picture. Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci and Raphael, they painted pictures and their greatest paintings were inspired because of the life of Jesus. Jesus never wrote poetry, but Dante and Milton, and you can just go down the list of the great poets, they, poets, they literally received their inspiration from Jesus. He was the greatest influencer that ever lived. Never wrote any scores of music, Yet Beethoven and Bach and Handel, all and all the greatest artists, and their greatest inf- inspiration when they wrote music was based on the life of Jesus. I think the one thing that we sometimes struggle with today in today's society is, um, would you call it maybe the, the, the pressure or the peer pressure, or um, we all want to look big on the outside, but if it doesn't start inside and through the transformation of Jesus, eventually we're going to crash. Um, I'm going to go into Romans chapter 12. 
So I'm going to read uh, verse, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. goes on into verse 3 that he uh, talks about the spiritual gifts. For I say through the grace given to me for everyone who is among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in, in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberty, and he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. If we look at those um, verses 1 through 8 there, there are roughly seven... Actually, I won't go into that because I'm afraid I won't have time, but I guess... You know, the one thing that we can see there and that we know is we all have spiritual gifts. And I believe as a, as a church and as leaders and, and just through life in general, um, it's our responsibility to use those gifts that God has given us to be leaders and to help people grow. Um, actually, I have a little fun exercise right now. I just want you to... to Look at the person you're, you're sitting beside and tell them that I just want you to step up in leadership. So just look at the person right beside you and just tell them, I want you to, look, to step up in leadership. Now, here's, here's the other thing. Tell them that if you don't, I'm going to give you a boost and I'm going to push you. Um, leaders see more than others see and leaders see before others see but Jesus he saw more than others saw in people he's he seen things that others did not see and I want to look at um, Luke 19 verses 1 through 10 So Luke 19, verses 1 through 10 is the passage of Zacchaeus. Let's start in, in verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. 
Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods, give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because he is also a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, and he and he looked at him completely different than the crowd seeing him. He believed him, and he he saw um, greater potential in him. And I think all of us have that opportunity every day. It doesn't matter. Where you know our position in life or what we do, we have the opportunity to speak life and to talk life into people. You know, our kids, they just long to hear those words of praise and affirmation. Um, you know, quick little side note, a lot of you are probably familiar with um, maybe the women, especially Mary Kay, Mary Kay Ashley, but one of her main phrases were, you can praise an individual to success. And I know for myself, like too often, I just I get so busy in life every day, all these different things going on, we just need to slow down, stop, and give those words of praise and affirmation to people and believe in people. Um, the next section that I want to look at is in John 4... So John 4, um, I'm going to read verses uh, 4 through 27. It's kind of a long, long scripture, but I do want to cover, cover it all. Um, so it talks about the Samaritan woman. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John... He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up in everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. 
Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one who you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. If we look at that passage, the one thing I had to think about is just imagine that when um, Jesus is at the well with this woman and she's, you know, has had five, the five husbands that whom you now have, or the five husbands and the, the one she now had is not her husband. Imagine the conversation that, that happened among the disciples when they came back. And seeing what, who Jesus was with, um, what would our conversation be if that would happen today? Just yeah, something I had to think about. Uh, but if we look at at that section, there are roughly eight principles um, that we can pick up on leadership from Jesus. The first one is um, leaders initiate the contact. Jesus spoke first. He didn't isolate himself from the undesirables. I mean, this was a woman. You know, he didn't just go out the other direction. He actually struck up the conversation and started talking to her. And, and that's just a ja- challenge for me again is like, in today's society, I think, especially with all the technology and everybody's rush, 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 like, we just need to slow down, go the extra mile, have that conversation. We never know where that where that person is and what we might be able to, to help them at that time in their life. Um, number two, leaders establish common ground. In um, verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. He struck up common ground um, through a conversation through water. Number three, leaders listen and allow others to speak. Jesus knew people liked to hear. Jesus knew she liked to hear her own voice most of all. Um, I would say one of the easiest things on, and this goes over a little bit to, as most of you know, I'm, well, I'll just throw this out there. I think everybody's in sales. I'm getting off on a bunny trail here, but uh, we all sell ourselves. I'm involved in sales through our company, but. Um, I would say the, the easiest way, and all that is is building relationships, and the easiest way to, to um, win over a person is just to let them talk. And I think that goes exa- about themselves. That goes exactly to leadership. Like, people want to know that we hear them and what they're going through in life. Um, and Jesus did that. Leaders are, number four is um, leaders arouse interest. 
Jesus built a verbal bridge by making her thirsty for something more than water. Number five, leaders take others only so far as they are ready to go. Um, that, was, that was a really good challenge for me is because I, you know, I think that every individual person is at a different place in their life and we can't, you can take the horse to the water but you cannot make him drink. And it's our job just to help that person in the stage that they're at in life. Leaders accept others where they are. Jesus knew her lifestyle, but never condemned her for it. Number seven, leaders stick with the key issues. He didn't allow her to get distracted. Jesus wouldn't divert the focus from the real issue. And then the last one, leaders communicate issues directly and simply. Jesus revealed his identity in clear and simple terms. I see I'm running out of time. Um, I'm going to read a a short story here that kind of goes along with the last one, number eight. Leaders communicate issues directly and simply. The story goes, the man fell in a pit and he couldn't get himself out. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall in that pit. A Christian scientist came along and said, you only think you're in a pit. A Pharisee came along and said, only bad people fall in the pit. A news reporter came along and wanted an exclusive story on how he fell in the pit. A fundamentalist said, you deserve your pit. A Calvinist said, if you have been saved, you wouldn't have fallen in the pit. A Wesling said, you were saved and you still fell in the pit. A Charismatic said, just confess that you're not in the pit. A Realist came along and said, wow, that's a pit. A IRS agent asked if he was paying taxes on the pit. A county inspector asked if he had a special permit to dig the pit. An evasive person came along and avoided the subject of the pit. Altogether, a self-pitying person said, You haven't seen anything until you see my pit. An optimist said, Things could be worse. The pessimist said, Things will get worse. And Jesus, seeing the man in the pit, took his hand and lifted him out of his bed. Um, I think the, the other thing, um, as a transformational leader and as we look at Jesus, Jesus said things that others did not say. He was courageous. His words were like magnet. They were both attractive to people and repelling to others in his words, attracted to those that were seekers of the truth, and they repelled people who wanted to build their own kingdom and have their own focus. Jesus said words as, Um, He said, I'm a doctor. I came to help sick people. I'm the bread of life. Um, He talked about that if anyone would drink of his water, that he would give them, they would never thirst again. Actually, in the King James Version, um, it says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. 
four points on um, just basic points on transformational leadership. I guess kind of points that we can we can put in practice. Um, if you want to add value to people, number one, you have to value people. We have to look at people and, and actually value them. Uh, number two, if you want to add value to people, we have to make, I have to make myself more valuable and get better um, for myself. If I don't get it better for myself, I don't have anything to, to help people with. Um, if you want to add value to people, the third thing is you've got to know and relate to what they value. We have to connect with them. The fourth thing is if you want to add value to people, you've got to do things that God values. Transformational leadership does not only see what others see. Transformational leaders says what others do not say. And he believes things that others do not believe because he is full of faith. John chapter 8, um, verses 23 and 24. And I'm going to read that out of the message. Actually, sorry, I'm going to read it out of ESV. Um, 23 and 24. He said, Jesus said, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. I think that is a very good example of where um, Jesus was willing to say what had to be like he, he said what had to be said. And I think sometimes... Us as leaders, like, we, we have to be willing to say what others are not willing to say. A um, couple quick interesting notes here. Jesus, not Norman Vincent Peale, said, anything is possible to a person that believes. Jesus, not Robert Schuller, was the first to say, everything is possible with God. And the last one is Jesus, not Tony Robbins, was the one who said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. I think um, a short poem that I'm going to share with you that um, just shows, I guess it kind of uh, exemplifies and shows of what happens when one person gets better and one leader is developed and works with more people and there's just um, a multiplication of leaders getting better. It's a poem that's called One Man Awake. One man awake awakens another. One man awake awakens another his next-door brother. The three awake can rouse a town by turning the whole place upside down. The many awake can cause such a fuss, it finally awakens the rest of us. One man up with dawn in his eyes surely then multiplies. 
When I read that, I just had to think, like, the opportunity that we have and the gifting that we have in the church and the church that we have at PCF, like, it really, really excites me just to see the people that we have here and the gifting that we have. Like, if we just, if we pull together and work on this, like, I think God has a, has a calling and a vision far a lot further than what we can even imagine right now for PCF, and I truly believe that. So I would, like, I would just encourage everybody, like, pour in everything that we've got. Like, God wants us to step up. He's calling us to step up and lead. Um, I'm running out of time, and I'm not going to go to 12 o'clock. People don't care what you know. They care and remember how you made them feel. Let's look at um, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 11 through 14. Believe in me, believe me, I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see, these works. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things, because I, on my way to, I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I'm doing, I'll do it. That's how the Father will see for who He is in the Son. I meant it. Whatever you request in this way, I'll do. Um, Jesus says, The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things, He said. You can count on Him from now on, whatever you request. And to me, like, it's just so, it's, it's simple, but yet it's so challenging. All we have to do is look to Jesus for our leadership. I am going to share another quick story that's actually a true happening um, and the moral and the, the idea of this story when I came across this is um, I think for all of us it's my, especially for me like so many times in life there's there's things that I know that I know that I know in my gut that like I should do this or I should do that but it's easy for me to kind of push them off and my encouragement is just um, what this story kind of um, talks about is the difference between Instinct and intellectual um, leadership. And when you hear this story, there's two leaders. Um, and my encouragement would just be that when we have those small instincts, when we know that we should do this or do that, um, let's do it. Let's not push it away. So it's called The Elephant Story. 
There was a guy in South Africa, and he took his son on a safari trip. Neither one of them really knew what a safari was, and they had seen it on TV, so it looked good. They bought outfits, um, the safari outfits that they could wear on the trip. They were out on the trip with a zoologist, and the zoologist is sitting right beside them, and he's telling them all of the deep things about the animals, the lions, the eagles. They're seeing the gazelles running around. They're seeing zebras. Everything is moving. It's amazing, and they're getting all kinds of information from the zoologist. They noticed on the front of the jeep, sitting in a chair that had been bolted down to the jeep, was a Zulu, and the Zulu had a rifle, and he was quiet. He didn't say anything the whole time. They kept telling him, the zoologist kept telling him that the elephants were somewhere around, but they couldn't find them. There were footprints of them. The zoologist kept telling them that this footprint is a female. It's five years old. Um, that one's a male. This one was running. It's mating season all by the tracks. He tells them all of this amazing stuff. But it gets darker and darker, and they still haven't seen any elephant. The son that was on the trip looks at his dad and tells him that, you know, hey, we came over here to see elephants, and we haven't seen any elephants. The father looked at the zoologist and said, we still don't see the elephant. The zoologist keeps explaining, and he's describing it, but he can't find it. And the Zulu who said nothing, he's sitting on his chair, bolted down, said nothing the whole time, stood up and said, over there is the elephant. The father's head exploded because they had heard everything about the elephant and all the details, but the zoologist was so intellectual on the details and the facts about everything that he completely missed the elephant that was right over there on the left-hand side. And the Zulu was there, protecting them. He was carrying a rifle, protecting them from the animals, and his instinct told him, look left, and there was the elephant. So again, I would just challenge all of us to go with that gut instinct when we have it. I don't care is that um, paying for somebody's coffee in Starbucks, the person behind you, sending out an encouraging text, making a phone call. Let's go the extra mile. I am going to close it out. Um, thank you for your time. Why don't we stand and I'll have a closing prayer and then the worship team can, can come up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray and I ask you that you... I just thank you for this time. and I ask that you would help each and every person in here that we can be more like Jesus, more like a transformational leader, not a leader of position, not a leader by title, not a leader by office. I want to ask God to do a work in our life that you will make us and work through us to be a transformational leader, that we will see things that others do not see and that we're willing to say things that others don't say and believe in people and believe in things that others do not believe and do things that others are not willing to do. Father, I just ask that you would continue to guide us and lead us through 
this journey in our life. And all this I just ask in your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.